And our gospel reading today from St. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. And so they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Oh Lord, open our eyes today that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Speak, O oh Lord, for your servants listen. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this place, O oh Lord, may they be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our only redeemer. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at, the, at Matthew's uh, account of Jesus' parable today. And when we approach a passage such as this one, it's really important for us to remember how parables function, how they teach us. They're instructive, but the pedagogy of, the, the, the pedagogy of Jesus, it's striking. I mean, it's truly striking. Jesus' parables, they strike us. They unsettle us. They're designed to perturb us. They provoke us. And Jesus helps us to see, he helps us to understand by telling stories that get our goat, as it were. And I want to suggest to you today that if you read our parable that we're looking at today without getting bothered by it, without it unsettling you, then you're not reading it in the right way. Jesus wants to bother something in all of us. I want you to put yourself in the parable for a moment. You've, you've been hired in the early morning by an employer and you've been hired to do some landscaping. And it's a hot Okanagan or Texan summer day, scorching heat. The work is strenuous. There's digging, there's raking, there's hauling. And you've been promised $150 to do one hard day's work. It's not a bad wage, but it doesn't make the work any easier. And by the end of the day, your hands are blistered. 
your tongue is parched, and your back is aching, and you want to get paid, you want to go home, you want to have a cold beer, you want to rest. But during the day, the fellow who hired you also hired another worker, and he's ahead of you in the line when you go to get paid. Well, this fellow came at the very end of the day, at the point of the day when it was cool, the sun had gone down, and all of that oppressive heat was gone. He only worked for one hour. He didn't even break a sweat. He goes before you. He's not covered in dirt like you. His hands aren't rubbed raw. And when he goes to receive the wages, your employer gets paid $150 for an hour of easy labor. And you instantly do the calculations in your head. Well, if he got paid $150 for one hour, I wonder what I'll get from my employer for the whole day. And when you're handed the same amount as the guy who did relatively nothing, who didn't even break a sweat, your soul cries foul, unfair, not right. I worked harder. I worked longer. I deserve more. And you see, what makes this parable so challenging to us is the reply of the employer, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Because most of us, if we put ourselves in that situation, would respond to him, well, yes, you are. You're not being fair. If one hour is worth $150, then eight hours ought to be more and, and equal to something like 1,200, if not more. Yes, I agreed with you for that much. I get that. And it seemed fair at the time, but now it all seems terribly unfair. And I feel that you're doing me wrong. I feel that my hard work has not been valued. I think we'd all be tempted to say that. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven at the beginning of our parable, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like something that seems terribly unfair. I love how the Lord doesn't make appealing salesman pitches for his vision of the kingdom. He's not a huckster. He doesn't peddle the gospel. When he preaches the gospel of the kingdom, he doesn't use smooth and compelling words. He says things like the kingdom of heaven is like a field which is as full of enemies as it is friends. He says the kingdom of heaven is a narrow way and it's a way that's hard and those who find it are few. The kingdom, he says, is the most unpopular place on earth, and you'll be hated by all men for my name's sake. In fact, the kingdom of heaven, he says, is going to bring swords to households. The kingdom is going to turn a man against his father. It's going to turn a daughter against her mother. It's going to turn a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And today, the kingdom of heaven is like a working environment that seems grossly unfair. We have to wrestle today with the unfairness to find out what the parable wants to say to our hearts. And Jesus' teaching is hard. It unsettles us. It burns us and it hammers away at us. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And as it hammers and as it burns, we learn the truth. We learn something about ourselves. 
and we learn something about God. And, and what's exposed here in Matthew 20 is shocking. It doesn't expose something out there. It exposes something in here. The parable reveals that there's something deep, deep within our hearts that resents God's lavish grace. The sinful heart resents grace. Jesus makes this clear. Do you begrudge my generosity? Well, yes, as it turns out, we do. The first worker was paid fairly. He receives a good wage for a solid day's work. If there had been no one else, he would have been quite content if sore and tired and ready to collapse, but happily content with what he was fairly paid. But what gets his goat, what vexes and exasperates him, what maddens and nettles him, is that someone gets something for nothing. The perverse calculus of fallen reason demands that no man should get something for nothing. There is no such thing as a what? Free lunch. Earn it. Work for it. Achieve it. Obtain it. And we can sing about God's grace. We can sing with Newton about how, this, how sweet the sound is. But all of us, because we are sinners, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, we struggle with being the early morning worker, righteously indignant. Just as we struggle with being the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. I mean, it's really the same parable today, isn't it? A parable about a man who resents the lavishness of God's grace. The elder brother was there all along. The prodigal stumbles in at the end of the day. And sinful reason resents grace because it esteems its own worth and it esteems its own value. Psalm 36, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. He flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. What a powerful statement about the reality of the fallen human nature. We flatter ourselves so that sin can't be found out and hated. We flatter ourselves, brothers and sisters. Have I not borne the burden of the day? Have I not borne the scorching heat, says the worker? Father, have I not served you all these years and I've never disobeyed your command? You see, Jesus' parables, they expose our self-righteousness. The parable finds us agreeing with the elder brother. And the parable finds us concurring with the early morning worker. This isn't fair. I think I'm owed something after all. I think I'm not that bad after all. And we esteem ourselves. And we flatter ourselves. And as long as we do that, we will never understand grace. And we'll inwardly resent it somehow. And when we need grace the most, we'll have a hard time receiving it. When we fall and when we stumble and fail, instead of turning to the great physician, we'll allow ourselves to wallow around in self-pity, reproving ourselves because we know we should have done better. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, until we can say with the prayer book confession, there is no health in me. 
That is, there's no part of me that's not diseased, even the best parts, until we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 38, there is no health in my bones because of my sin. My sins, the psalmist says, are like a heavy burden, too heavy for me to bear. The burden of them is more than I can bear. Until we can say with J.C. Ryle that on our very best of days, we are far worse than we ought to be. Or until we can say with the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, oh, wretched man that I am. Until we can say these things with some degree of sincerity, we will never admire the lavishness of God's grace. It won't mean to us what it ought to mean to us. We will never cherish grace from the perspective of the early morning worker. That's the problem. That's what the parable is trying to expose because brothers and sisters, we've all come in with shame and embarrassment at the 11th hour. We are all 11th hour workers and none of us can say, have I not borne the burden of the day? <laughs> none of us can say, have I not borne the scorching heat because there's only one early morning worker. And there's only one morning star who has borne these things. And there's only one elder brother who has served God these many years and he's never disobeyed a command. And it's not us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all of us 11th hour workers. We are all of us prodigals. And none of us, not even remotely, deserve the wages that he has lavishly given us. This is why John erupts, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, 11th hour workers, should be called the sons of God. And Paul erupts, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, not moving, no life, no stirring, no faith. Then he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God so that no one may boast, so that no one may flatter himself or herself in their own eyes. Brothers and sisters, today hear the gospel. Receive God's grace today. Be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, however you failed, however you succeeded, hear the gospel. It is not you. It is him. It is not your work, it is his work. He is the founder of your faith. He is the perfecter of your faith. He is the bright and morning star. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the elder brother, the only one who's done all things well. And so let me close today with this wonderful gospel prayer by John Calvin. Calvin prays, grant almighty God that as we are constrained continually to groan under the burden of our sins with continual trembling and sorrow, O oh, grant that the deliverance already begun 
may inspire us with a good hope so as to expect more from you than what we can see with our eyes. And may we continually call on you until you complete what you've begun and put to flight both Satan and our sins so that being in true and full liberty devoted to you, we may then be partakers of that power which has already appeared in our head, Jesus Christ, until having at length passed through all our contests, we may reach that blessed rest where we shall enjoy the fruit of our victory. In Christ alone, our Lord. Amen.